0: Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South. And this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Good morning, you all. Great to see you. Um, so I'm Pastor Drew. I'm primarily up at the Providence campus. But uh, today, Pastor Matt and Pastor Melody, their oldest son, Ashton, is receiving his Stepping Stones Quillow that's the last of these stepping stones that we have in our church, starting with baptism on up, and uh, so he's preparing to go off to college, as many of you have heard this fall, so um, Matt and Melody are up uh, praying with him and celebrating that, so it's good to be with you this, um, this Sunday, especially on a day like today. Uh, today is one of, the, one of the oldest, most beautiful celebrations in the history of our, our church that Jesus founded, it's the day of Pentecost. And uh, just as a reminder, remember that was originally a Jewish festival that celebrated the bringing in of the harvest, but also God's gift of the Torah, the Word. So people from all all over would gather in Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. But on a particular Pentecost, not long after Jesus had been resurrected and had ascended into heaven, God did a new thing. And what we're going to focus on today is that gift Uh, That God blessed the church with so I want to read from uh, Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, and when they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. This is the word of the Lord, amen. Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Some years ago, the BBC, or the British Broadcasting Company, took a poll of all their listeners and they asked them a single question. I want you to think about what your answer would be to this question. Describe, they said, the most boring place on earth. Well, not surprisingly, some people uh, disagreed on how do you define boring? And the most consistent answer was a place with little activity or things that generate interest. Some people, they named entire countries or towns that they thought were boring. With their apologies, they said. Another said, my 13-year-old would say it's our house. Some people said, there are no boring places, just boring people. Another said, my kitchen. That, That would be me. Um, if it was my kids, and Megan keeps it a little more interesting. She's much more gifted at that than I am. But thankfully, no one said church. Now, as much as I'd like to believe, that was because all of these people were in a passionate church on fire with the love of God. I think that's unlikely after all. This was in England where fewer and fewer people are going to church in general. When you look back at the Bible, at the founding and the birth of the church, Isn't it true that the last word we should use to describe the church should be the word boring? Surprising? Yeah. Maybe a little crazy at times? Okay, yeah. Comforting, inspiring, life-giving? Absolutely. But boring? No. St. Augustine, one of the early church teachers and bishops, he said this, he said, The root of all evil is boredom. There's a reason why many of us, when we were little kids and we'd be out on summer vacation, we got into trouble, right? Because we got bored and we started looking for things to do and and one thing led to another. My own mom tells the story about when she was little and they were at a friend's house. They got a little bored and they started running in circles around the dining room table. And it was fantastic fun right up until the moment they collided with the fine china cabinet. And the whole thing fell shattering every dish and plate and cup inside. You know, one of the things that helps Christ South and Christ Lutheran as a whole to flourish is that you've heard the call to run. To run and tell the message that Jesus is alive and that God is on the move. But not only that, we haven't put the find treasures of the church up in a cabinet out of reach, but have taken them out and are finding ways to creatively share them with the people that are hurting and lost and that are broken in South Charlotte and beyond. You know, a couple years ago, there was another poll taken. And this one polled Lutheran churches around the country and it asked this question, how much do you talk about the Holy Spirit? And what it found is that our church, at a much higher level than average, talks about the Holy Spirit a lot. Why is that significant? Because from the beginning, the Holy Spirit has had a job to do. You know what the job of the Spirit is? It's to gather ordinary people like us into a community so that we can carry on the work that Jesus began. And the fact that we talk about the Holy Spirit a lot means that we know we're not alone in this work. And that we have someone who equips us and gives us to do the things that Jesus started. And it means, that, um, it means that although this ministry at times may be exhausting as you're setting up outside in the rain or the heat and putting everything together, it's never, ever meant to be boring. Amen? But as, as important it is that we talk about the Holy Spirit, I think it's even more important that we listen to the Spirit. And that's what happens in Acts 2. In Acts 2, the first followers of Jesus are gathered together in one place in an upper room in Jerusalem. And and it's important to know that at this point, they've been given a really clear promise. Jesus has given them a clear promise. You know what he said? He said, at some point, the Father, the Father is going to send somebody that's going to help you, that's going to guide your whole life, the Holy Spirit. And they don't know how this is going to happen. They don't know when or where. But they are waiting and they're listening and they're just they're they're I just picture them on the edge of their seats, expecting when is this promise Jesus has made going to happen? It could be today. In Acts chapter two, verse one through four, again, let's look at that verse, those verses. We put that up. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and set on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Wow. That's the whole church gathered there in one place, which is this beautiful symbol of unity. The church is all together. And suddenly... The walls start shaking, the earth starts quaking, and yeah, that is an ACDC reference there, but um, that's what happened, and the wind was blowing, and suddenly the tongues of fire appeared on their heads, and the word tongue in the Greek is the word glossa, which is where we get our word glossary from, which makes sense because all of a sudden as they're filled with the Spirit, what do they do? They start they start speaking in these other languages they've never studied, and they don't just speak about random things. They... It says in chapter 2, verse 11, they tell about the wonders of God, the mighty wonders of God. Now, can you imagine anybody seeing this happening and yawning and saying, I am bored out of my mind seeing this take place? No way. The Spirit comes in and knocks the china cabinet down, which is a way of saying, not in a neat, orderly way, but to show that whatever God is going to do with the church is so much bigger than us ourselves, whatever God is going to equip us with in order to bear fruit for his kingdom to continue the work of Jesus, it's going to take a power so much greater than what we have alone. And that's what happens. That the Holy Spirit fills them. And they start to speak. And they start listening deeply as the Spirit's guiding the church to go out and to tell the news about Jesus. You know, um those times in which the church can get a little bit, you might say, boring, what Acts 2 tells me is that it's not because we have a God who stops speaking in ways that are powerful and inspiring and creative and life-giving, what it tells me is that sometimes our sinful human nature keeps us from listening, and we get stuck, we can get stuck, it's kind of like a holding pattern. You know, uh, airplanes, when they're unable to land because all the runways are taken, what do they have to do? They have to just kind of keep circling up in the sky with that holding pattern. And there is a part, I think, in all of us that can sometimes think, I want church to be like what I want church to be like. I want it to have my style of music, my style of preaching, my style of outreach or programs. But if we become too stubborn in that, what can happen? We get stuck. The church enters this kind of permanent holding pattern. And listening to God and where He's calling us to move and go can be really difficult. And that can happen to churches where the worship is more traditional or more contemporary, that are two years old or that are 200 years old. In fact, this past week I heard a really wonderful story about one of the oldest churches in Charlotte, First Presbyterian in Uptown. It was founded in 1821. And in, 19, in the 1950s, this congregation had a really tough decision to make. There were people coming to First Presbyterian and saying, look, we want to buy your land. You've got prime real estate here. We can build skyscrapers. We will pay you a lot of money. Sell us your land. And the church, they had, they had to really do some hard listening to the Spirit. What are you calling us to do in this situation? And after they they really prayerfully listened there, they heard the Spirit calling them to stay and to serve in the city to care for the hungry and the needy that were around them. And in a sermon that he gave in 1951, the pastor of the church at the time, Charles Kramer, he told a story. He said he was out walking the grounds of the church one night and he heard two men that were talking right on the other side of the church gate. One of them was saying, oh, it's such a shame. What a waste of this property that could be used for, for, uh, for businesses. And then the other man said, you know what? What if it's more important that there be a reminder of God here in the middle of the city than another few places where people can buy and sell things from each other? And today the church is still living out that mission to be for Christ in the heart of Charlotte. They've stayed and they've thrived and God has blessed them. And what I think that's calling Christ south today to do is to listen. How is God calling us to live and move and have our being so that his will and not our will is done? How is he calling us to speak so that other people who may not know Jesus can hear and understand? How is he equipping us for that? The the text says in Acts that when the church started speaking in these uh, languages, the people were stunned. In chapter 2, verse 12, it says this Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Let's look at that first part first. Um, because here's this early church, and they're starting to speak and tell the wonders of God. And it says the first response people have is this curiosity What does this mean? And I think that's likely to be true for Christ South now. As the church goes out and does Easter egg hunts for 3,000 people or has movie nights on your land and you're inviting the town of Weddington to come and be a part of that or these other events, people are likely to say, What does this mean? Why are you doing this? Why are you, Christ South, giving your time and your energy and your hard earned money for us, people you've never met? Why are you coming out to meet with us and greet us and to get to know us? What does this mean? The poet Walt Whitman once said this, I am larger than I thought. I did not know I could hold so much goodness. And one of the things it means when Christ south goes out and is bearing witness to Jesus is you're helping people see, perhaps for the first time, they're larger than they thought that they can hold so much more goodness that they're the beloved of God, precious to him. Oh, but the very next verse there says, let's look at 2:13. Some however made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Now, we're not quite sure what that looked like because the spirit, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control, so it's it's not likely they were just kind of doing things that looked just crazy, but something about this was so abnormal that some people scoffed and made fun of them. And can that happen to us as the church today too? You bet. Some people aren't going to understand and say, that's just a waste. Why are you doing that? Why are you guys acting like that? But our call as we go out and share the love of Jesus is not to worry about the response, amen? It's to love them, to love, and then trust that the Holy Spirit's going to do the hard work. A blessing, of saving, of creating faith. And what the Spirit asks us to do is to be the instruments. Be the instruments. And that's what happens to Jesus' right-hand man, Peter. Right after this Pentecost story takes place, a, f- a few weeks before this, who is Peter? He's a fisherman. He had denied Jesus. But what we see in Acts 2 is that after the Spirit comes in, Peter is... He's filled with the Spirit like everybody else. But you know what he does? He gives a sermon that is 26 verses long. From verses 14 to 40. Where he's talking about the risen Christ. And I think what he's showing us is that with God, nothing is impossible. That if God can use Peter to do this and tell people about the risen Christ, he can use us the same way for his purposes. And he does. What if this week, when you got out of bed you remember that the same Holy Spirit who lives in you is the same Spirit that filled Simon Peter. But not only that, it's the same Holy Spirit who filled Jesus himself. It's a guy by the name of Louis that I know. And for years, Louis, he struggled with um, discouragement and depression and was really down. And what changed for him He likes to put it this way. He says, from now now on, the moment I get out of bed, I'm on the lookout. He says, I'm on the lookout for God. What would it be like this week, knowing we have the Spirit in us, if when we woke up, we were on the lookout for the Holy Spirit and saying, are you calling me to stay or to move, to speak or to act, to bear witness to you? And we as the church and as individual followers of Jesus, if we were listening and trusting that God has promised to send the Spirit again and again to fill us in the same way. You know, the Holy Spirit, is sometimes referred to as the forgotten God. Because we we tend to talk more about God the Father and about God the Son, Jesus, and and sometimes we can um, overlook the Holy Spirit. And maybe that's intentional, because you know what the Spirit's always doing? He's pointing to Jesus. He's pointing... And saying, look to him, look to his cross, look what he's done for you. But over, over the centuries, the church has tried to have symbols for the Spirit. Fire, because of the flames of fire that were on the, the heads of the disciples. Another one is the breath, because the breath of God and the Spirit moving over the waters. Another one's the dove, because remember when Jesus is baptized, the heavens are open, and the Spirit, we're told, comes down like a dove upon him. But there's another symbol and this one's less known but it's always struck me as as particularly powerful and good the irish christians many centuries ago they had a particular name for the holy spirit in the celtic they called him the adge glas which means the wild goose isn't that good what could be boring about a goose that the goose is surprising He's, he's always moving, he's turning things up, and sometimes the Holy Spirit has to come in and knock the china cabinet down to get our attention, to say, I'm calling you, church, to a new thing, to be my body, but sometimes it comes like a whisper. Sometimes it comes peacefully, always peacefully, but sometimes calmly. Jesus in John 20 breathes on the disciples and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Maybe, the, maybe God is calling us to a holding pattern but not to get stuck in always doing things precisely the same way. Maybe he's calling us to hold each other. To be a church that holds us each other in times of need and joy, of pain and brokenness, so that we can better hear and listen to what you, Jesus, are calling me to do and to be about, what you're calling us to be about. So this week, this week, remember the Spirit fills you. Be on the lookout for God. And remember, the goose, is on the loose. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. And kindle in your church the fire of your love. We pray that whomever you place into our life that is not yet heard, that they are larger than they perhaps thought that they're capable of holding so much goodness and grace Lord, help us to speak in our own way by the power of your spirit so that we can share your love and we can share that your death on the cross and your resurrection were for them. Lord, thank you for gathering your church together today and for each of the gifts you've blessed us with. Um, Lord, help us to look to you always and know that you're leading us. In your holy name we pray, amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.